I forgot to get I'm gonna go get that. Give me one too. Welcome to Married to Who, a podcast where a couple of couples watch Doc Two for the very first time. My name's Jake. With me are Cody, Sam, Jill, and Alex. Producer Terry. We might not know who's gonna run our government, but we do know it's gonna fucking suck. This week, here, we're here, here to talk about <laughs> Smile, written by Frank Cottrell Boyce, directed by Lawrence Goff. Aired April 22nd, 2017. Terry. Yes, Jake. What'd you think of this one? I'm smiling. Can you tell I'm smiling? Oh, God, I'm Boo. smiling. You always sound like you're smiling. Wait. I know. It's sad. I enjoy, but no, I, I like this show a lot. I enjoy Terry's enthusiasm, but I'm interested to see why Jill said boo. Hey, Jill, what'd you think? Hey, that leads right into it. I can't get a solid opinion on what i think of it because it was so cheesy i don't like cheesy <laughs> terry sam what'd you think uh it was fine it i didn't rewatch it i usually rewatch episodes and i just couldn't get myself to do it but it was a good watch through cody meh not great alex I think this would be a great episode to just have someone watch like just with no context just Ready, steady, go. It was so standalone. It was great. Well, good thing that's what we did. We just had someone watch it, but that someone <laughs> is you five. So give me some stuff. It, it was so, it was exactly what Jill said. It was just cheese. It was cheese. I like cheese. It seemed not doctor esque, like the shit they made him say. Whoever wrote this needs to go back and watch more episodes. Agreed. If this is the new Doctor portrayed by Peter Capaldi, I don't know if I like it. Oh, fuck. That's right. It's a new Doc. That's This is the season? No. I really hope not. No, please. Oh, do you mean, is he going to be like this all season? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. We talked about it last week. Um, he is different than he was. He's definitely a little jollier. Uh, yeah, that's the yeah. term. I mean, they were kind of using this as a jumping on point this season, and ratings were going down. And some people might have thought that a reason for that could have been the doctor's kind of edgier exterior. Well, if I remember correctly, this was one of our Twitter followers' favorite seasons. So I'm a lot of people do. Gonna tread lightly here and just say the the pacing of the episode it was just kind of for the large portion of the beginning of the episode it was just so boring. What they did with the visuals for like the future I love the, like interstellar esque like giant fields, um like minor beautiful architecture buildings. The scenery they did for the future is great. Everything else they did for the future was terrible. <laughs> Well, all they did was go to a building that already exists that's just kind of futury uh, looking, like architecture wise, 
and then they went to what is probably like a water treatment plant and were like this is the inside of the spaceship yeah also like power co-ops i don't know who does the architecture for those like you can make a box building nobody's going to the power co-op to see your <laughs> like entire wall made out of windows but sure look as beautiful as you can government money homie yeah that's true <laughs> But I think uh, the concept of the monster being nanobots also forming like the structure of the building and then these like emotion robots is unique, but just felt kind of uninspired, like like dead yeah. end. It's technology gone wrong. It's just yeah. cool. That's exactly what I was going to say. In Doctor Who, we're going to get one or two uh, technology run amok episodes every season. It's just the nature of the show. And really, any sci-fi show. I think the most interesting part to me was when uh, Forky found the girl that was on the table, and oh, like gee. all this you history have was in the to book. Give us this could be someone's first episode. You can't just call her Forky. Oh, if this is your first episode, <laughs> welcome to Married to Who. I really wanted uh, the companion to be like Forky from Toy Story Four, and they did that. She's Forky. Bill is Forky. She just asks a lot of questions. Yeah, so does Forky. I don't know from Forky because I'm an adult man. Doesn't she? No. Okay, not yet because nothing's been really dangerous to her. She hasn't been threatened by anything. She really just goes around, gawks at stuff and eats fish jello. They were were literally in a murder uh, building. In this episode. True. Yeah, but I don't think but Bill... it never threatened anything. Yeah, At I don't think point... Bill ever felt like she was going to die. Like, the robots never really... There was no, like, stop. Somebody is in grave danger. The doctor or the companion needs to save something. Do something. There was no, like, imperative yeah. or, like, you need to get off your ass. It was really just kind of a bouncy episode. And now this... I kind of I kind of disagree because they were having a great just jaunt together, seeing something really cool, and then the scene in the garden is when it all flipped. And I I wrote that in my note is like Bill's best day turns sour in an instant. Like that's horrifying. Yeah, right on paper, but nothing really threatened them for real. I, Nanobots they, didn't swarm over them like the robot hugged her once and then he's like nope smile and then the robot was like ah cool yeah. or no he uh, did the the screwdriver on him and problem solved moving on that's the whole thing i mean i don't know i guess i just disagree with the, your thought of what threat is <laughs> well think, yeah if if they were not happy they were going to die so they had to feign <laughs> being happy to which is miserable <laughs> to uh i'm gonna take cody's side a little bit bill just like walking through the building by herself when the doctor's already like they've already escaped the threat and ran to the TARDIS and the doctor's like okay go in there be safe I'm gonna go blow up the building and she gets pretty deep into the building completely alone to go and find him again and she's just got a big dumb grin on her face and is like oh you're the good guy and all all the things that they say and so I I agree with Cody I don't think she ever feels threatened I mean, I uh, guess I guess if you have the garbage disposal on, you know not to put your hand in there. So she just didn't not smile, and she's fine. Well, when the only thing you have to do to defeat the threat is just walk around with a smile on your face. <laughs> well, not, 
those ladies we saw murdered in the very beginning, they were smiling. It just didn't work. And we do see almost the entire time the doctor is smiling and it's not working on his thing. But So you had to remain calm enough right? and hysteric. So for her to be in a new place, a new world, a new, like this is all brand new for her. And to be able yeah. to remain calm like that is pretty impressive for and, a companion. Yeah. And most of the time she didn't really know how deep the threat was the doctor was keeping a lot from her mm-hmm. i was gonna add that point that it felt like the doctor was just coddling her through it too yeah kind of testing her though like fi- like seeing how smart she is like when she did the picture he's like oh you finally figured out you could take a picture like <laughs> that was pretty funny uh, that was very cheesy and also a forky moment like prime forky <laughs> moment. Well, he's also been like her private tutor for a year or however long it's been, an entire mm-hmm. school year. So like if he continues to need to test her at this point, then That was in the capacity of like teacher student though. Now it's in the capacity of doctor companion. Like it's different. I don't like, think it is. They're traveling in the TARDIS now. Like that's not going through physics in a in a classroom. But he I mean, they obviously their relationship changes through the season but uh yeah like he's he specifically brought up like what it is about her that he chooses and he constantly refers to like wet brains and dry brains and like how little he thinks about just most people Mm -hmm. and so so for him to pick anybody and he's been at that school for at least 50 years some people say longer and it wasn't like as far as we know yeah there are conflicting reports uh but as long as far as we know, this is the first time he's ever done this. Other than Nardal. <laughs> right. Yeah. He just gets to tag along. There's got to be so many books and uh, like alternate Doctor Who stories in that 50 to 70 years of him just being a professor at this place. Oh, if they ever manage to ring in Peter Capaldi for Big Finish, they it's going to yeah, be that so much because oh, I'm yeah. sure getting Matt Lucas wouldn't be that hard if Peter Capaldi's on board. And so they could just have two-handers with the, those guys, and there, there's no limit to what you could do. Yeah, that'd be great. The explanation that we got from Capaldi about how the TARDIS works was very good in this one. The, oh, I wrote uh, that down. It's The TARDIS takes you uh, to a halfway point between where you want to be and where you need to be. Yeah, he says a still point. A still point between where you want to go and where you need to be. That's really cool and very yeah. That's what the TARDIS do. <laughs> yeah, it's like you know you're you're trying to do something and it's like well, we'll mostly <laughs> get you there, but <laughs> there's there's something you're needed for over here. Followed swiftly by a mostly ignorable comment about her talking about the poster on the side of the TARDIS and the Doctor just like meh. <laughs> right, it's a coincidence. Although I do like, I was thinking when watching it, like when at the very end when they're going home, how just calm he is and how he just flips the lever and then he's like, there, we're at the exact same time. And I was just thinking, like, man, it's so easy for Capaldi to fly the TARDIS and then we immediately find out we're in completely the wrong place. I was bad if anybody believed he was where he was. Nobody believed that. No. I did it. I've seen it. (laughs) I was like, where are they? Also related to the TARDIS. I apologize. We had to mute for a few seconds. So if someone already said this, just cut me out. Um, But her, even though it was super cheesy, and one of the parts I didn't like about the episode was the cheese for sure. 
Um, anyway, the now I understand why you're the police box because, like, you're always going to help people and, like, that's. Yeah, it was a saying on the side of the TARDIS. Yeah, but that was like that's never been pointed out. I guess that I remember anyway. So that was a nice way right. to dumb down the TARDIS as well. I like when she comes back and says that, like, you don't call a helpline because you are the helpline. But I, I like don't like. Too. I don't like the first go round to how she gets there where when she's when they're running to the TARDIS and she's like, why don't you call the police or isn't there a helpline? Like nobody would say, what well, isn't there a helpline <laughs> or <laughs> like we've been talking this whole time about how we're on a different planet 20 light years away. And you're like, why don't we call the police? And she <laughs> specifically chose to go to the future, not yeah. knowing what to expect. And then, yeah, that's not a very great assumption. That's something I've said about every companion is when they first start, or some of them the whole time, just like not understanding either time travel or space travel and just saying stupid shit like that so that they can come to like an important point or sometimes like especially Rose or like Father's Day, stuff like that where they have to kind of like spoon feed the audience. Like th these are the rules of time travel where it's like, from our point of view, this companion has been doing this forever. Like they should know like, Hey, don't save your dad. Who's supposed to be dead. Mm -hmm. Then we wouldn't have the reapers. Raptors. <laughs> I can never reapers. remember what they're called. They're reapers. Yeah, they are reapers. Right yeah. Oh man. You, I don't, you haven't got, have you gotten there with the, uh, neither the time nor the space? Sam? Yes. So they yes. never stop bitching about how the Reapers don't ever come back. <laughs> and yep. I just want to like reach back in time and grab them because I, it's one of the things that bothers me the most about fandom is people bringing that up when in the dialogue of that episode, talking to you, Matt and David, <laughs> in the dialogue for that episode, it says, this can sometimes happen. No, never says this happens every time. Yeah, but it sometimes is one time ever well how often do they like irrevocably cause a paradox i don't know probably multiple it's times like every season <laughs> yeah and sometimes it happens <laughs> one out of eight the doctor and river's wedding was a kind of a paradox they had like all of time mashed together for a second well there were pterodactyls does yeah. that count <laughs> sure were they Reaper Dactyls? Yeah. Perfect. Terror, terror Reapers. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Terror. <laughs> Terra Deepers. All right. I did make a note that my, like, I really do like the banter in this one, especially when it's just our two main characters, the Doctor and Bill. And I made a note of, like, Apart from the very first, the very beginning, where like Nardal pops his head in the TARDIS and says, "You're not supposed to leave. You made a promise." And then we have a short scene where we see the two women die. Apart from that, it's 39 minutes into the episode before we see another person. Mm -hmm. And I remember that number because in two episodes, it's been 39 minutes before a certain thing happened. So, like in Heaven Sent, it was 39 minutes before the Doctor realized he was in a loop. And then we got to see the loop happen a couple times. And then in... Uh, what was the first Christmas special? Not Mysterio. 
oh, Husbands of River Song, it was 39 minutes before she realized he was the doctor. So I, I wonder if when you're making like a 50 minute episode, if it's just like storytelling wise for television, like that's when you flip the switch. Like in Star Trek, it was always the last five minutes is when they like figured out how to solve everything. Mm. And in Moffat's Doctor Who, it's like, okay, at the 39 minute mark, that's when we drop the hammer and all the shit happens. Sounds like the hero's story circle. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, when you watch any like procedural television show, if you pay attention to the timestamps of like, at this time, they are pretty sure they know who the killer is. And then at this time, they find out it wasn't him. And then at this time, they think, oh, it was this other person. And then at this time, they realize, nope, it was the first person the whole time. Ah, ESI effect. It's Scooby Doo. So, talk about the Doctor and Bill as a duo. What do you guys think of their energy together? Not there yet. I did like Bill in this episode uh, more than I have. Just starting to warm up. Again, it just felt to me like coddling at this point. Like, I didn't... I mean, I guess it's just a different energy. And that's okay. But it, it sort of felt like a, here's the thing that's happening. Here's and then time. the Doctor's like even if he's not directly, but just like staring at Bill, waiting for her to figure it out. And then she kind of does. Then they go do a thing, and it's that, like, over and over. Yeah, we've had, like, a pretty decent handful of, like, either headstrong or, uh, like, self-solving companions. And Bill's just kind of really along for the ride right now. So it's not really, there's not really the chemistry of two people solving a puzzle but it's kind of like the doctor dragging around forky (laughs) i think the the like emoji play though for me gave it that vibe like i don't necessarily think it was their chemistry with each other that did it i think the emoji thing to me felt kind of childish and like downplayed what was going on so that might have been some of what i'm getting from them it is part of moffat uh Moffat hates the internet. And so, especially in his earlier episodes, there are a lot of jokes about how, you know, stupid people use Twitter and the internet's shitty. And, you know, Amy going back to grab her phone so that she could update her Instagram and shit like that. I do think that Bill, the first couple episodes, seems to have a vibe that she, like, really cares about people. Like, it's not just the adventure of it. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. She has the people aspect, too. Like, Clara was purely in it for the adventure and didn't give a shit about anything else. And then we saw the yeah. the darker side of the Doctor come out of this, too. So I know we're talking a little bit about the Doctor and maybe missing some of that darker side. But I think we're going to see more of the, like, care and compassion side just from mm-hmm. Bill. Because that's how Bill is. Well, there's a, there's a couple things you've said in this podcast, Jill, that are going to be like remind me when they do come up again <laughs> because they will that you'll see that most of the things you're saying right now are totally right uh but i wanted to bring up specifically for this episode what you're saying about him like coddling her uh i think they are trying to like drive home the teacher student relationship at least at, in this episode mm. and for the first you know, 15 minutes that they're on this planet, they do think they're just at a really cool place. And so he is just kind of like showing her around and trying to like teach her stuff. And it's 
pretty far in that they before they realize there's a problem. That's fair. Coming from a teacher student perspective does make it a lot make it make more sense. That it's not the typical companion that we've seen before. It's like you've said, somebody who's been like he's been her mentor. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's interesting too, like as you were saying that, Jake, just now, um, us as the audience knowing that something horrific has happened here and and watching the doctor figure it out. It's not like we know what the doctor knows. We know more than the doctor and then he's catching up. So I, th- I thought that was kind of interesting yeah. too. Do you do you think it might have been better if we didn't know? I do. I was yeah, I was about to say I don't know have we seen or can anybody say a story where we were completely in the dark? Uh the Vashinarata, which these yeah. are a lot like. Yep. <laughs> That's a very good oh, comparison. Yeah. Oh, Man, that was so good. I think we're just always better in the dark. But also the silence. I think yeah. Listen was held mostly like in dark rooms. Well, and we know, still don't know what Listen out. was. Oh, that's actually really true. <laughs> and that's that's the thing too, though, is if we did it the other way, then we wouldn't have just the Bill and Doctor uh, scenes for as long as we did, because you would need expendable people for the Doctor to learn off of their deaths, right? Well, I think you could find a way to put clues, like the skulls being in the uh, fertilizer uh, bone crusher thing. Yeah. Um, or you could place around, like like any spaceship, anytime in a science fiction show when someone lands on a spaceship, they go find like the recorder and there's like a video oh. message from the captain who's that telling cool. you what happened. Yeah. So you could find some way to put something like that in mm-hmm. just to kind of make it spooky or like a mystery because the the smiley faced robot things, the emoji bots, I think they're called, um, they could be really sinister if you, you know, with the big smiles, but then, but then you know, they turn also, also murderous. Yeah, I, th- I think there's something really cool you could have done. Yeah, that's a good point. I I think with the, um, like the intercom that the that the two ladies in the beginning had, um, because you could tell on the other end that the lady was in distress, like she was, like kind of on edge, and I think if the doctor just found that audio, like not even like video, just that audio of that those two talking and then them dying, I think that would have been really cool. And mysterious. Yeah. Like if when the uh when the doctor and Bill first get it in their ear, there's like some kind of playback of like the last messages. Mm, yeah. That'd be cool. Anyway. I You're think... right. Fuck this episode. Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead, Terry. I think uh going back on what Cody was saying earlier, uh, but when the doctor uh said that the entire building was these nanobots. And for how often all of those uh, larger robots had the evil face on, like it would have just been fun to see like the building around them, like shifting, like the nanobots were going to start coming out of the entire building Uh, and attacking them. Like the whole building being a death trap could have been played up way more with how they could just come out of anywhere. Yeah. Like moving walls around to like block them in or shit like that. Yeah, like it since it has its own uh, learning 
capability but not understanding like grief or anything like that mm. of just having its own mind and changing things to keep them happy or something like that like that would have just been more uh to watch especially with the map reading thing of going like hey turn left turn right and then just like something went wrong or if they got into the ship with them and started messing around with them that way but you can't you can't draw those in ms paint (laughs) also for how you know kind of nice this episode looks i'm sure it's kind of one of the cheaper ones because they're really just in two locations and even though there's like the the bots that it's really not a ton of cgi Mm you know yeah like the bots were just kind of like speckled on black dots that moved around that doesn't seem like much of and there's like one really cool shot where they show like the front of the building where there's like a bot in every window staring down at them as they're running away yeah that that was cool but apart from that the cgi was pretty bad oh you think those bots were cgi uh yeah i don't think they had 20 bots in in fact there's only two actors credited as playing the bots Mm. the uh the bots in the wall was kind of like that felt like it took us back to the first doctor where we started watching eccleston david Eric Middleton. <laughs> yep. James? It, that was a trip that you just went on. Birthday? Is it <laughs> David Eccleston? <laughs> yep. Keep, yeah. Is it Michael? <laughs> also that one. Yep. I like how Keep everyone's going. learning and not correcting you. <laughs> just letting the guesses continue. <laughs> All right. There's one more thing I want to bring up before we get into tweets. When Bill is eating like the fish jello, mm-hmm. they give her like they give her like this uh, futuristic fork. Uh, I hate that. It's a dumb looking fork. No one would ever use that fork. When they try to make forks different in sci-fi movies, they're always shitty. Forks aren't going to change. They're perfect the way they are. I didn't even what notice. I just thought it was a fork. Like, yeah, it looked real thick. Hmm. Apparently, only humans use them though. Right. It's a fun Human fact. Cutlery. It's forky with a fork. Ah. Get it? Because it's it's Bill. But oh, that, she's now forky. Hold on. That looks just like... It looks like one of those... Um, Like you can get a packet for camping. Like where all the plates and pots and mm-hmm. like silverware mm-hmm. are all in together. Like that's what those forks look like. <laughs> where yeah, and those fork forks suck. And a spoon and a knife all together. Yeah. This looks super ergonomically uncomfortable. <laughs> but yeah, no, you couldn't eat pasta with that. That's garbage. Yeah, you <laughs> eat you eat jello. Fish jello? <laughs> yeah. Fish jello. Oh god, educate the oh, whole thing. No. Algae. Sorry. Algae. I hate kind of rolled my eyes when the <laughs> robot put jello down and I was like, yeah, space food. You did oh. it. We do get the line from the doctor. I met an emperor made of algae once. He fancied me. <laughs> <laughs> but like the doctor's like kind of starting to figure out what's going on and looking around. And so he's talking really slow and like deep voice Capaldi. And I just love his delivery of that line. I like during uh, the dinner time as well uh, that his two hearts come up and she's just like, what? two hearts and just keeps coming back to it 
That's why he got two algies. <laughs> when yeah, so dear listener, uh, the reason <laughs> these nerds are making fun of algae is because we say algae, and we we're wrong, probably. Yeah, we're super wrong. Uh, we didn't make English. Algae. <laughs> yeah, we just bastardized it. Yeah. It is gooder now. Well, every companion gets the two hearts reveal at some point, and I do like that it's brought up by him just getting two fish jellos. Yeah, that was really neat. But if he's registering as two people, why wouldn't it be on two plates? Right, that's what I I was wondering. Because it's one hole. He's got one mouth. It might have thought he was pregnant. That's a good point. Like, what happens with pregnant ladies? Do they give him double dose? You you don't eat double food when you're pregnant. No, you do. You've been doing it wrong. (laughs) Yeah, but that's not what they're saying, Sam. They're saying the robot would just detect two heartbeats and just give him double food. Yeah, but he should have two plates then. Yeah, I agree. That is wasting dishes. Oh, I get what you're saying, Sam. You're right. I'm on Sam's side. Fuck all you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Um, Everyone's calling this episode super cheesy, and that's usually my thing. But I don't think this episode's super cheesy, which is really weird. Yeah, I didn't get the cheese either. There's just so many bad one-liners. Yeah. Yeah, it's the one Welcome to Doctor Who. Yeah. <laughs> no, some, some one-liners were fantastic. That's why we had favorite lines. It, it's and weird that they're people... like, they're just so innocent. Don't, really? don't check my browser history, says the doctor. <laughs> That's okay. a reuse line from Smith, new. though. I'm pretty sure yeah. Smith said that before. No. Yeah. It was Capaldi, and he said it to, um, oh my gosh, now I feel bad. What's her name? Osgood. He said it to Osgood, and she immediately checked. And was like, ooh. He's like, yeah. Told you not to. So it's not even the first time he said it. Yeah. Doesn't mean it's not good. <laughs> I liked it then, the I like time. it now. Still not good. <laughs> so Bill's uh kind of introduction is really close to Rose's in that um they go to the future and Bill encounters the I mean Rose saw the end of the planet, like they went and watched the planet explode, but Bill saw the end of the human race in that data pad and then realized that this was like the last uh, last of the human race. So that was pretty jarring for Bill, I, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, more Scotland jokes because everywhere in the universe has a Scotland and they're <laughs> always trying to separate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I believe this was released right around uh, a, a Scottish referendum to separate from the UK again because... Uh, Brexit had just passed, and so they were like, fuck you guys, we're out. <laughs> yeah, so there was a, a pattern during the RTD years of every season would start with uh, episodes set on modern day Earth, then an episode in the future, then an episode in the past, and then a two-parter. And this season, because we're kind of hard rebooting or soft rebooting, we're kind of getting the same thing. So I don't know if you got from the very end little scene there, but next episode's in the past. 
Mm. However, there are no two-parters. Yeah, this one ended like very abruptly. Well, they fixed it and then they left. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, well, it goes right into the next episode, just like this one did too. Like it starts with them in the TARDIS being like, okay, we walked in. What do you want to do now? So you're saying this is a three-parter. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, no. But I was like, okay, so we're going to go back and they're going to talk to what's-his-face and then they got the location wrong and this is what's on the next episode. Uh, I'm really intrigued about what is going to be in this vault and who he made the promise to and like what this promise like really entails and stuff. So I'm I'm really excited to figure out where this storyline is going to go. I totally forgot about the vault again. <laughs> yeah, we get a little more information at the beginning. Nardal bringing up that the doctor has made an oath, not just a promise, an oath to stay and guard this vault. And that's why he's there. We saw the vault like last episode, but now an we get a little more. Oath? It's not Harry Potter. <sighs> Come on. <laughs> So yeah, I always try to get you guys to do this and you always don't, but speculate. Guess, what do you think it is? That's the fun part of fandom. <laughs> Every time I ask you guys, do you always say, oh, we'll no. just see when it happens. <laughs> the story the will tell us. <laughs> is binge watching and just finding out. <laughs> That's why I watch creative TV because I'm not creative. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Gen Zers or whatever you guys are. <laughs> I think they I'm... found like a they found a stone or a keepsake of some stor- sort, a sorcerer's stone, if you will. I'm going oh like it's something's evolving, and they're monitoring it. Oh, like gestating? Yes, or hatching. We, we did see it in last episode when um, hot water girl shows up. They're just like run to the vault to make sure it's still okay. And then they're like, oh, she's not actually here for this. I was but it conf- is their first assumption. Mm-hmm. I was confused when you said hot water girl. I, w- I was like, what? But it, it was a girl who was attractive who was made of I water. The puddle one. Like, do you want I just, tea or coffee? That episode or just bothers water? me because I know Moffat was like, oh, so she's like super hot and a lesbian and she's going to be wet the whole time. <laughs> and the, I know he just like <laughs> giggled himself to sleep. <laughs> I love what you think Moffat thinks. Like, that's my... Well, I mean, Moffat's a pervert. Everyone knows that. (laughs) I'm thinking that there's someone really important, like, bad guy-wise in the vault. Kind of like how... um, Oh, not Dreyfus. What the hell is his name? Draco. No. Dreyfus. I was gonna say, whatever it is, I prefer Draper. God dang, no, the Scarrow dude. Dalek. Yeah. <laughs> Davros. Davros. Davros, thank yeah. you. I couldn't think of it. Of like someone like that being in the vault and like somehow they're trapped and they're afraid of like any bad guy getting to the vault and opening them up and letting them out. Like that's that's kind of my speculation of what's in the vault. So you're thinking like a prison? Well, it certainly yeah, wouldn't like be the first prison. time mm. we've we've discovered Davros in a vault type thing in Doctor Who. Right. You can listen to me and Alex review every Dalek episode of Classic Who on Brothers and Who. That instantly sounded like you cut it in. <laughs> <laughs> it really did. <laughs> uh, 
He just has like a noise panel next to him. <laughs> yeah, I recorded that weeks ago. <laughs> uh, y'all ready for tweets? I really want to catch that one day. <laughs> the uh, the delay is going to be unbearable when Jake hears yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. It wasn't fun to listen oh, to. No. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, hey, on the morning of every time we're going to record one of these, I ask Twitter, what do you all think? And sometimes people send us stuff. If you want to, you can do so. Married to Who Pod on Twitter. Uh, we have Ode underscore Ollie at Ode underscore Ollie says, as with every episode of the series, I really like this one. It's really fun and both light and bleak. I'm going to pause here. Sam, you said something about, or no, Cody, you said something about our Twitter friends really liking this season. Um, it does seem to be that way. I'm going to give you my perspective of the season as a whole which is it's poop. I think it's Moffat's worst season. Oh no. <laughs> Maybe second worst. I see. I think it ends really well, but so does season two or series two, which people pretty universally say is one of the more poor series, but the finale is great. So fuck it. <laughs> and there's some really good stuff in here. Uh, I believe next week, Terry, we get your buddy. No, not next week. Never mind. The one after next week, we get David Suchet. <gasps> yes. Uh, what? <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't love the series, but a lot of people do. So I'm clearly wrong. I'll let you know at the end of the series. That's why I was saying it. I am very curious to see what you all think. Uh, let's see. Old Ollie goes on to say. I like that it's just Bill and 12 for most of the episode, letting us see their relationship develop and really shows the student-teacher aspect of it. Hey, that's what I said. Not just Bill learning from and about 12, but figuring him out too. Saying, you don't call the helpline because you are the helpline. Yeah. The idea of emoji robots is pretty cute, to be honest, and I really like how they're presented. Another villain that isn't actually a villain is just naive. And though I know people get upset at the idea that who stories have actual meaning, which that's that's um, not my doctor bullshit. But I like that this starts giving us actual morals. Bill wanting to see if the future is happy is such a nice idea and perfectly illustrates her character. So optimistic compared to 12's usual stoicism. And 12 is brilliant in this, wanting to protect Bill and being willing to destroy the complex, but instantly changing and trying to save everyone, letting Bill see different sides of him. And the hints we get about the vault and the doctor's promises are so intriguing. And I'm really curious what y'all think so far. I do think the ending with the colonists is quite rushed. And Ralph Little does get a bit wasted, given how good an actor he is. Though I like that the solution is for the doctor to turn the Vardy off and on again. Funny, if a little anticlimactic. And I love the classic coolness of the ending being a cliffhanger straight into the next episode. And it's really intriguing. The next episode is so wonderful, too, and I'm excited for you to get to it. Very curious of what y'all think of this and what's coming. Well, we just told you in the previous 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Terry. Yes. Give me 30 seconds on Bill's outfit. Ooh, uh, it was very interesting. I liked the top. Like, it's a lot better than that stupid jacket from last episode. Um, but it made her look very bright and bubbly and 
just like out and ready for a new world. So it, it was very uplifting and freeing to see her in like a normal kind of look for a girl who's supposed to be her age in college. And I, I liked her a lot. You're that, talking about like an outfit, right? Yeah, but it also like helps push her personality of what she has of just seeing everything as very uh, street smart and seeing the beauty of whatever she's looking at. So it's more of like that, not like stuck down into like high tight collars that Clara used to have or uh, many layers that a bunch of the other girls had. It's like she's very, this is me. This is what I am. And she she wears it well. I was just going to say hot. <laughs> oh, I, I oh liked okay. <laughs> I'm making fun of myself there, Terry. Anyway, Chris at this emo trash says, "Going to be honest, I don't actually like this episode too much. The Vardy don't impress me. They just seem like worse versions of the Vashonarada. Hey, we mentioned them. Hey-o. And it ends with a complete Deus Ex Machina. However, Bill is absolutely wonderful, and her joy of being on a human colony planet is great to see." Most, if not all, the companions before her seem to just understand everything, but I like how she asks a lot of questions. It feels very real because that's what you would do. You have a 2,000-year-old know-it-all alien taking you across space. You're going to rinse him for every bit of information you can. Emoji surviving hundreds of years is both understandable and completely horrifying. <laughs> I, <laughs> I can get grief being seen as the opposite of happy, but I still don't get the leap of not being happy equaling murder time for the robots. <laughs> Even in their limited capacity, it's general sci-fi rules to program robots to never harm humans. Do these ones just forget or are they just dumb? Maybe both. Probably both. Bill and the doctor do get some nice bonding moments. And it's clear that this is just going to be a great friendship rather than the whole falling in love thing every other companion does. One thing I can't forgive, though, is the ending. The humans being in stasis pods in the ship comes in far too late for it to have any real impact, and then you only get a couple of minutes before the entire thing gets resolved. And what an anti-climax that is. Once the Vardy start killing people, you'd have thought at least one person on the skeleton crew would be responsible for maintenance and would find a reset for them or just turn them off. Stupid humans, as always. Hope the Marrieds enjoy this one more than I did, although, to be honest, I'd rather live in a society where the Vardy are trying to kill me than in america considering what's going on today <laughs> oh, no. get it nice. well, maybe it was hashtag satire and i like it i responded to him saying oh wait till 2024 this place is gonna burn to the ground <laughs> we gotta make it there first <laughs> right well so if the sorry. emoji bots were in america right now i'm pretty sure everyone would be dead because everyone is bitching <laughs> about every single thing ever yeah. no one is happy it's miserable <laughs> yeah. not the emoji bots you have to do this one tiny inconvenient thing nah nah we'll die yeah mm-hmm. i will that's pretty much it i will say as far as that tweet um in this episode the the doctor going through how the robots got the way they are I was really lost. Like he just kept talking and saying things. And then at the end I was like, yeah, sure. I'll believe it. Whatever. Like it didn't, I don't think the dots really lined up for me on that, but that's, that's kind of like the downside of this episode for me. I could follow it. I was able to get it. Well, I mean, I get it, but I don't think that's (laughs) how logically things would be programmed. I don't know. It's weird. Terry's just telling you you're dumb. Yeah, true. Well, I am dumb, 
That's that's not. <laughs> you got to appreciate the turn them off and turn them back on bit. Well, I yeah, that was how he did that through just one of the bots. The the master bot. Well, uh, well, it, I I think so. I think it was more of an EMP that like reset everything because it like had this big explosion yeah. thing. They reset and lost their memory. Yeah, like In when that you reset when you turn when you like pull the plug. Like everything that's in memory is lost unless it's saved on a hard drive, and it sounds like they don't have hard drives. So, so whatever. At the, at the end of the world, they can't even just save on themselves. At the end of the world, like right now, technology is moving away from hard drives. We're using solid state drives and RAM drives, so like everything's in memory. You don't ever turn it off, and I could see that being a realistic thing with these machines. Like I get that. But when the doctor figured out that they were sentient and he did that, I was like, holy shit, did he just genocide like a whole like <laughs> budding thing and just like make them servants again? But then it was more of a negotiation. It's like, oh, okay, never mind. Yeah, that's another thing. Like, what did they forget? Like, just that they don't need to kill sad people and that that's the only thing they forgot? Or like, <laughs> How does he wipe just the stuff that makes them murdery? So he, it sounded like, and if I'm interpreting this right, it sounded like he just wiped memory. So it's like if if a like a full grown person were to just wake up from a coma and not remember anything. So like they can still talk, they can walk, they know how their body works, like they can move their arms and stuff. Um, well. Like, they don't know who people are, what things are, and so then they're, like, a brand new, like, hive mind community, maybe? But they they knew that they had built the town. They knew the town was theirs because they are the town. That seems as horrible as genocide. Like, just wiping an entire species' memory. Yeah. Yeah, but they're they're man-made items, though. So it's okay because they're murdery. Who cares if they're man-made? They're still a sentient species. Yeah, and, humans and are man-made. And a new yeah. life form. Like, wh- how many people were there? A thousand? Bung them in the TARDIS and take them somewhere else. They'd yeah. never fit. But that's the They'd thing. They'd never fit in the TARDIS. An infinite space. <laughs> no! <laughs> <laughs> Just go you in the TARDIS. You never them all out. Go in the TARDIS, land in the spot where all the pods are, just be like, good morning, everyone. It didn't work. In you go. <laughs> We're going somewhere else. But then go find one of the other colonies that are mentioned and drop them off. But then you're kind of like, then the doctor is kind of stuck with where he was when they got back to the TARDIS in the first place. It's yeah. just a beautiful death trap. Kill. Death trap for people that aren't coming. He thinks that there's a right. ship coming to land and there isn't because the people are already there. He just doesn't know that at that time. Yeah. So this is their planet. This is where they live. Fuck off. Yeah. Wait, I want them to all get on the TARDIS and then like he thinks everyone gets off. But like <laughs> yes. you just slowly find them like throughout the seasons. In That's the how like... <laughs> like, oh, I've just been just living here forever. Every time you need a new companion, he just runs into someone in the TARDIS. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. That is like how half the classic companions came to be is just someone in an adventure just went in there and then went into one of the doors inside the TARDIS. And then in the next adventure, they came back into the console room and everyone's like, who the fuck are you? (laughs) (laughs) 
great question. Uh, hold on, Sam. Are we open for questions? Yes. <laughs> Terry, go ahead. Cool. Uh, <laughs> when did the doctor lose his uh, sunglasses? Did I miss this? Because yeah. he now has a regular screwdriver again, right? At the end of the last finale, when he walked back into the TARDIS, the TARDIS shot him his brand new screwdriver. Yeah, but he hasn't lost his sunglasses. We have right. still seen, we've seen him use both in an episode. Excuse me? Yeah, in last episode, he had both. I slept through the last one. Okay. But they also like, showed every other single screwdriver. <laughs> like, they showed everything. <laughs> when they're shooting outside in natural light, they want to see them uh, pearly gray eyes of Peter Capaldi. Along with his beautiful gray hair. Yeah. It's okay. silver. All right. Also, um, what did everyone think of those uh, patches or the badges that were that then on their backs? The emoji? Um, yeah. I need one of those because sometimes I don't know how I feel. I need to... But you don't get emoji the emoji patch to tell yeah. me. You wouldn't be able yeah, to see it. You just ask someone. It's not that hard. I have yeah, friends. That, I suppose. You can't trust anybody. <laughs> I always know how I feel, and it's mad and a little nauseous. <laughs> <laughs> it, Cody could always tell when I'm angry at him then. It'd be great. I always <laughs> He knows. I always feel like there's too much <laughs> yeah. and too little time. Alex, you have fun facts theme song. Fun facts, fun, fun facts. Jake's gonna give us a fun, fun facts. There was one fun fact on the Doctor Who wiki, and we've already said it. It was the the fact that Scotland was again seeking independence from the UK around the time of this episode's release. Nice. I do like to look at all the actors in the story and see if they've been in Doctor Who before or if they've been in Star Wars, Game of Thrones, or Harry Potter. We've got Mina Anwar. She was Good Thing, one of the people that died in the beginning. She was also Gita Chandra in nine episodes of Sarah Jane Adventures. I think she's one of the kids, like the girl of the group of kids in Sarah Jane Adventures. I think she was that girl's mom. Ralph Little was Steadfast. He was also the voice of Guy Fox in the Doctor Who video game, The Gunpowder Plot. And I think tomorrow's Guy Fox Day, so uh, stay safe out there, British people who can't go outside because it's lockdown part two. Kieran Shaw was one of the emoji bots. He's also, a, he played unknown figure in Listen. He was an Ewok and a droid in Return of the Jedi, a goblin in Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone or the Philosopher's Stone, Tito in The Force Awakens, Karge in Solo, A Star Wars Story, Ulan Musters in Rogue One, Bravosi Theater Sound Artist in Game of Thrones, and Nambi Gima in The Rise of Skywalker. And I recently watched him in two separate episodes of Pointless, a British daytime game show. Nice. Dude's getting work. Dude works. He's a little dude, and he's fucking cool, and he's really good at this game show that I've seen him on. Craig Garner was an emoji bot as well. He's also a goblin in The Deathly Hallows Part 2 and a creature puppeteer in The Force Awakens. Alex, give me that MVP theme song. MVP. Alex, who's your MVP? I'm going to give it to... 
give it to him, Alex. <laughs> I was just waiting for the yeah, but who's your MVP? <laughs> I'm between like the director because it looked good, or the location. Whoever chose the location, because I, I I wrote down like the 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 locale of this episode is really cool. So I don't know. Pick one of those. <laughs> Kind you pick one of those, dickhead. <laughs> Put it on us. I'll go with the with the local, like the locale, the the set design. Well, that's hard because that can be done by any number of people. Could be the director, could be a production. Uh, that's always there is a team that goes around and scouts locations and just kind of like apropos of nothing just like here's a cool looking building we could use one day or maybe the director specifically wanted this location or maybe the writer thought of it it's impossible to say yeah but that i like that (laughs) but i will say that it is that building is the city of arts and sciences in valencia spain that was really cool and i'm sure it's used in plenty of television and movies cody who's your mvp that design the uh the scenes were beautiful and capaldi and forky did there wasn't any design they were at a location okay whoever the uh architect is of the building in the futuristic scene is my design they made that fork they made the fork (laughs) okay i have no mvp well, they put, that, they put that table in the middle of a room that is really a museum. Uh, so set design. Uh, Terry, you go. I would like to award Bill the MVP of the episode. Pearl Mackey. Joe. Mm, I think I think he said Bill. Not I'm Pearl. just telling him what her name is. <laughs> the, the actor's name so that he... Because he might not know. She's new to us. Jill. Who's your MVP? I'm going with Peter Capaldi um, because, like I discussed earlier, we're seeing just a different version of the Doctor, and he's still killing it. Like, he just steals the screen every time he's on it. Yeah, he can do lots of different things. He's really good. I'd recommend you guys watch Torchwood and see (laughs) a completely different side of him. Okay. Mm, No, thanks. Wait, (laughs) he's in Torchwood? He's in all of season three. He's a bad guy. Oh, but then you have to get to season three. And uh, Alex That's said only season one is good and the rest is garbage. No, only season three is good. No, I like I like most of Torchwood. I'm I'm the minority. Still still not speaking it up for us here, you guys. <laughs> well, it's one of four options we have for what to do when we catch up to the show. Can't Sam? Uh, yeah, I, I kind of agree with Alex and Cody. I love the location. My favorite scene was when they were like, the village people were out running in the field. I don't know. I just thought it was beautiful. Yeah. I wonder how they did that. Cause I really doubt there's just a giant wheat field just outside of that museum. Yeah. I don't know. It looked amazing. I and- planted it. I mean, I know how they did it. It's not <laughs> that they're superimposing two images on each other. Uh, yeah, to that point, I am going to go with the director, Lawrence Goff. He did this one, and he did last week's The Pilot, and I think they both look amazing. Um, 
I think the performances given by the very small cast in both of those stories are great. So uh, good job, him. These two are the only two that he ever does. And likewise, the writer, Frank Cottrell Boyce, uh, this is the last one he does. His first one was In the Forest of the Night, which I, I bet if you were to read the script, the script is good, but the episode is bad. <laughs> it is now time for everybody's favorite podcast experience. The Doctor Who Trivial Pursuit slash Doug Benson movie game game. I will ask each of these nerds a question from the Doctor Who Trivial Pursuit. If they get it wrong, the next person gets the same question, but with four multiple choice answers. If they get it wrong, the next person gets to guess among the remaining answers and so on. Everyone gets a chance to go first, second, third, fourth, and fifth. I have randomly rolled a D25 times to find an order. And the order is Jill, Terry, Cody, Sam, Alex. Okay, Jill. Okay. What is the name of the orphanage where the silence nested and raised River Song as a young girl? There's no reason for you to know this. No one in the world would have known this. Okay. okay. Then go ahead like... and go on to that multiple choice. Terry, your multiple choice are Graham Hall, Greystark Hall, Gibson Hall, Griffiths Hall. I will say I googled UK last names and just wrote down all four that started with a G. You're going to have to repeat those because I started listening to you and I lost my train of thought. <laughs> all right. Graham Hall, Greystark Hall, Gibson Hall, Griffiths Hall. Griffiths Hall? Cody. Greystark Hall. Yeah, it's got to be Greystark. It's the only weird name. I was trying, like... I couldn't come up with other weird names. Like, obviously, Greystark wouldn't be in there. Graham Hall, like a TV host in the UK? <laughs> no. Terry, it is your turn to go first. Oh, first off, we have a bonus question just for Sam. Which of the Doctor's female companions starred in the one-off 1981 special, K9 and Company? Sarah Jane. Yay! <laughs> Sam has a point. Terry. In Tooth and Claw, what Scottish alias does the Tenth Doctor take on when he first meets Queen, Queen Victoria? I need this to get to Alex. Fucking easy. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I'll give you a hint. He uses a name of one of his classic male companions. I gave that hint because it's not a hint at all. I was like, I was gonna uh, say that the only one of compan like that's not Scottish at all. I don't know, fat bastard. Honestly, I don't remember <laughs> this though that episode at all. Like you reference it, and I it's that's drawing okay. a blank in it's my head. It's not memorable. Cody, same. How dare you, Cody? Same question. Your multiple choice are Jamie McCrimmon, Adric Alzerian, Ian Chesterton, Harry Sullivan. Ian Chesterton. Yeah, it has to be, right? Sam. Oh. Damn it. Uh, can you say the the names again? Jamie McCrimmon, Adric Alzerian, Ian Chesterton, Harry Sullivan. Jamie McCrimmon. Yeah. It's the only Scottish Because one. Mrs. <laughs> McCrimmon, yeah. that must be her favorite companion, right? It is, is her favorite companion. Or Irish. Yeah. Uh, Jamie McCrimmon is the second Doctor's companion. Adric is fourth and fifth. 
Ian is the first, and Harry is the fourth. Oh, they were all companions? Okay, got it. Sam has a point. Cody has a point. Is that right? Yeah. Sam has points. Sam has a point and a half. <laughs> I have a fake point. <laughs> all right, Sam. Isn't it Cody's question? Also, yeah. What city were the 1948 Olympics where the doctor admired a torchbearer held? Um, wait for it. What's that German place? Wait. Germany? Wait. <laughs> no, wait. Yeah. Wait. Yeah? No. Uh, with the wall. It's probably wrong, but I'm going to think of it and say it. Berlin. Berlin, thank I, you. I can't. I can't. I couldn't deal. Uh, I don't believe the wall existed in 1948, but you're wrong, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, your options are Tokyo, London, Los Angeles, Moscow. London. Yeah, it's Doctor. What else would be? Would it not be? <laughs> Sam has two, Cody has one. Sam, it is your turn. Two and a half. Sam has two and a half. (laughs) Where did the master send the Torchwood team on a rogue mission to distract them while he planned to take over the world? Oof. London. (laughs) (laughs) Alex. Yeah. Was it the Himalayas? Was it Antarctica? Was it Mongolia? Was it Siberia? I'm going to say Siberia. Jill. Mm. Repeat the options, please. Himalayas. Antarctica. Antarctica. (laughs) Mongolia. (laughs) Siberia. Mongolia. Terry. No. Antarctica? Yeah, it has to be. Cody. Really? (laughs) Repeat the answers, please. Himalayas. Antarctica, Mongolia, Siberia. Him is. Cody has two, Sam has two and a half. I could not remember what everyone had chosen. So, <laughs> <laughs> Alex, it is your turn. Last chance to get on the board and force a tiebreaker between those two marrieds. Elton John's single, Daniel, inspired Mr. and Mrs. Pope to name their son. But what did they call him? Danny. Jill. Aww. Your options are Marcus, Peter, Daniel, Elton. How dirty would Jake get with this? Super dirty. So Daniel? Terry. Oh. Elton? It's Elton. It's the guy from yeah, Love and Monsters. It's the episode. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yay! I'm on the board. <laughs> All right. You are on the board. However, we require a tiebreaker between Cody and Sam. Ooh. Bloodbath. You ready? I'm going to murder you. Uh, <laughs> oh, Jesus. He's very quiet. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> God, this one. <laughs> okay. I'm going to do one that'll be faster. Do you want me to type it in, or do you guys... <laughs> just say it. I think we're fine. Yeah. Okay. The 11th Doctor says that he met Michelangelo when he was painting the Sistine Chapel. What century would that have been in? 14th. 13th. 
15th. 11th? 11th, 10th. Which which direction we got to go here? Is 17th? Six. Cody got it. 16th. Hey. Oh, I did? Oh, that was a long time ago. <laughs> oh, you, you were cutting out constantly. Oh, I see. Uh, Cody's the winner. 16th uh, century. Ba, 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 ba. Never stood a chance. <laughs> I'm just going to start yelling numbers next time because I feel like that's what's going to win those. See, yeah, we you really like you really leave a lot of time in between answers. Like just saying 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th, like isn't that hard? Yeah, but that feels like cheating. Cheat? It's trying to win here. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I did on the queen question, whatever <laughs> week that was. Yeah, I also. But if you're really one. good, you'll get it on the first go. Yeah. I think I was pretty close, considering I know nothing about time. I don't remember what time. I said. God, I cannot remember what the next episode's called. Old timey wimey. Well, is it like a single word since this one was smile and the last one was pilot? I think it might be. Wasn't Frown. it the pilot? Frown. And it was the it smile. was the pilot. Yeah, that's two words. Maybe it's like cantaloupe. It's not RTD. Alex, even that paper coupling theme song. This has been Married to Who. This is our episode on Smile. If you'd like to participate with us in our social medias, you can do so on Twitter at Married to Who Pod, on Instagram Married to Who, or you can email us Married to Who gmail.com. If you want to listen to this podcast in any other way than you are, you can do so on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts. You can go on our website, Married to Who.com, if you want to get into them real old shitty episodes. On behalf of myself, Jake, and all these other guys, Alex, Jill, Cody, Sam, and Terry. Thank you so much for listening. Please join us next time for Thin Ice. Do 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 do